Thanks for joining us on the Restoration Church Podcast. Today's episode is called Generosity. It's an intimacy issue, and it's from Matthew chapter 6. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, welcome to our guests, who are really our family, you know, but we'll call them guests, whatever. You know you're part of the family. Thanks for coming today. It's good to see you again. Uh, if you're new for us today, and or if you have stuck a welcome bag from us. You've been here before. You just never got a welcome bag. Please pick one up before you leave. This is a small token of our love for you, just to say, hey, we, yeah, we think you're important. We put together something for you. Thank you for coming. Uh, just to set a tone for friendly, this is, this is something that really shouldn't have to be said. I think we, what, but we're going to say it just to remind us, just to put it in words. Um, what we're doing today, when we gather on Sundays, is making disciples. Right? There's an intentionality amongst our gatherings. There's a purpose for why we're here, and it's to make disciples. This is the time of worship, of musical worship. When we're, when we're together and we chew on the word together, and we eat on it a little bit, and we talk and we discuss, it's an act of adoration. It's an act of worship. It's not for our, We don't come entertained. We come to worship and to give to God what he's due. And if him... We can be changed by the Holy Spirit today, right? Because the Spirit of God is here, and He has something. And if you know, He'll make us more like His Son. That's why we gather. That's why we set all this stuff up. Why we show up on Sundays. Why we have missional family groups. Why we push people into depth groups. We want people to become become disciples, followers of Jesus. We want to encounter today the Living God through His work. So we're a church that's committed to intentionally developing with God and with others that grow intentionally in their relationship with the body of Christ and with the Father. And I want you to that said, with the tone set, I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Your sermon. Jesus' master, Magna Carta, right? his big proclamation of who he is and what it means to be a disciple. And we started off calling that the Masterpiece Series, right? And we looked at how, apart from Christ, we can be nothing. We can do nothing. We can be nothing. We have to be intimately connected with Jesus in order to become the type of follower he desires us to be. We can't do it on our own. As a matter of fact, if we try to do it on our own, if we push ourselves and we discipline ourselves, and ultimately what we produce is hypocrisy. That's what we become. We become the Pharisees. We become the religious. But when we are connected to Jesus, he changes us. And he changes our heart. He changes our mind. Last week, Lance showed us that um, we looked at that. that, that it's kind of interesting. We've, we've all had our preconceived notions of what it means. But Lance showed us that in the context of, of what's happening in Matthew 7, Jesus is saying that we have a log in our eye that prevents us from moving people and helping them with what they struggle with, right? We want to go pick out their speck, but we do it with the 12 by 12 sticking out of our head. And if we get too close, what are we going to do? We're going to knock them over. We're going to hurt them. We're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to cause more damage. And that log we learned was, right? And we grow closer to Jesus as we go closer to the Father in our relationship with him. And he changes us and he teaches us to be gentle he gives us the ability to move into one another's lives and deal with sin, right? And we learn that the solution to getting rid of that log is to talk to Jesus about it, right? To pray. It's part of prayer. It's part of having communion with the Father. 
As we grow in intimacy with the Father, we grow in intimacy with the body of Christ. And prayer is the theme of our current mini-series. We started off with Masterpiece and we moved in prayer. And we're in week five of prayer. You look, you look at that little logo and it says prayer. That's this little section in scripture where it's, it's off in the way that Matthew wrote it. Um, prayer is the main prayer we're talking about. Communion with the Father. Today is probably the most uncomfortable message I ever preached. And I'll, I'll just tell you because it's not that the text is difficult. It's not that there, it's hard to interpret or it's hard to do what God tells us to do. It's just, and it's because there's this theme, what pops out of the scripture to, or to, you know, spiritually suppress or enslave people, to get them to feel bad about themselves and then act. And so that makes me uncomfortable. As soon as we talk about this theme, as soon as we pop out this word, and we start getting into this, you're going to, there's something in your mind that might just turn off a little bit. You'd be like, here we go again. And um, you've probably experienced this. Have you, you've ever been around an angry preacher? If you know what I'm talking about. You see him on TV a lot. Angry preacher. Spit at you. Favorite thing to ask you to do. Give money. Right? Money. Giving. And what's their favorite tactic? Like to make you feel guilty. Well, I got to tell you, although it's uncomfortable for me to talk to you today about generosity, it's something we have to discuss because Jesus Jesus talks about it, tells us that it is a character quality, it is a result of walking with him, we become generous people. And so it's important, if we're going to intentionally develop disciples, generosity is a part of disciple making, right? It's a part of being a disciple. So we're going to get into it, and while I might be a little uncomfortable, I'm going to get over it and let the Spirit move. So this is my commitment to you. I want to give you a guilt message on money today. Guilt free, right? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be text, gentle, but I'm going to, there's no guilt. I don't want you to feel guilty. As a matter of fact, when we're done with this message, the traditional thing when you talk about money is to do what? Get an offer, right? I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want the Holy Spirit to move in your life to convict you of where you need to be convicted, encourage you where you need to be encouraged, rebuke where you need to be rebuked, edify where you need to be edified, right? God do the work. We're just going to look at his text, and then we're going to respond. All right? No special, give us your money. No, see the basket on the way out the door. N none of that. We're just going to talk about what Jesus says is true about his disciples. So look, these three questions. All right, if you have the sermon app, or if you want to get the sermon app, you've got that. The sermon is out for you today. Right? It's online, so you should be able to pull it up, click it, and it should say generosity, an intimacy issue. That's what the title is. So here's the three questions. Who is someone in your life that you love? Who is, everybody has somebody, right? It's your parents, your, your, your spouse, your children, a co-worker. Who is really love deeply? Got them in your brain? Ready? All right. What are you willing to give to that person for their benefit? What are you willing to give them? A ride to the grocery store? Like, I mean, uh, what are you willing to give them for their benefit? To increase their happiness, to make their life, to make their life better? What are you willing to give? And the last question I want you to ponder for today is, why are you so willing to give up precious things to that person? Why are you so willing to give them something? 
what stirs your heart in you? Today's scripture is going to show us that generosity is not necessarily natural. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen, right? Generosity is an issue. It's not a force issue. We're not generous when we have enough. We're generous when we're connected to the Father. Our generosity is to who and what we love, not what we have. It's an intimacy issue. Today we're going to look at the text uh, and the theme of generosity pops out. It's all over the place. It characterizes Christ's disciples. In addition, we're going to focus on what we're going to look at is what leads to be in, uh, and what happens when we are generous, right? Those two things. What leads us to generosity and then what happens when we respond in generosity. No special offerings, no guilt, a money message with no offering. You ever been there? You ever done that? All right, here we go. Let's get crazy. All right, let's look at Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump down to 21 through 23. So, here's the text. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So then, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. Do not be honored by others. I'm sorry, they announce it to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 21 through 23. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body and the eye, and if the eyes are healthy, the whole body is full of light. Since the eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. You cannot serve God and money. You'll love the one, you'll hate the other. You'll serve the one, you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, so the first thing I want you to see today is that generosity develops. How that, what leads us to it, right? It develops when we obey God's expectations for his people. Right, verse verse 2, when you give, right? there's an expectation. Jesus is speaking to his, a group of people who are Jewish in nature. right? They, they have this Hebrew history, this Israelite Jewish history behind them. And Jesus is saying to them, when you give, there's an expectation. It's not if you give, but when you give. Giving to the poor, giving alms is what this is talking about. Normal thing in culture. Absolutely normal. And it roots all the way back to Egypt. It roots all the way back to when G when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, 13, 14, 13 and 14, sorry, teach us that giving was not far as giving went. It also meant giving to those who you released as slaves, right? Um, because the Egyptians were once slaves and they were released by God and given a bunch of beautiful things. When people were indentured servants to, to the Israelites and they were released on the year of Jubilee, they were commanded to give certain things. So Deuteronomy 15, 13, 14 says, When you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally with your flock from your threshing floors and your wine presses. Give to them as the Lord God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and the Lord God redeemed you. That is why I command you to do this today. It's a regular practice. Generosity was normal to them. Giving, giving to the poor was not something that 
uh, was abnormal. Everybody did it. So why in the world did the Pharisees have to, you know, make a big deal out of it? Why did the religious people make a big deal out of it? We'll get there. It was a response of worship, right? God had given the Israelites land, had given them life, had given them food and water, right? And manna. He had given them protection. He had given them his law. He had given them his presence. And he had given all this liberally, right? Lavishly, he had given all these things. Remember when they were instructed to go out to the, in the morning and collect manna? How much were they to collect? Enough for the day, right? Don't store it. Just enough for the day. Why? Because God was going to give plenty tomorrow, right? It was never like you had to hoard it like he wasn't going to give, give liberally. He was just going to give it tomorrow. Take what you need for the day and eat. It'll be tomorrow, right? That's, that's the kind of giving for God. We develop generosity in our lives when we intentionally echo the giving of God in our lives. When we intentionally act done, we develop generosity. We, we go from giving to being generous. The idea of obedience and can't compare to the practice of obedience, right? Sometimes you have to do it. We can't just think about being generous. There's, there's a step in which we have to actually take that first step of faith and give and trust the Lord. To think of it like this. If you were, uh, you were called... And you entered a contest, and you were called, and you said, hey, guess what? You're going to the Super Bowl. Nobody. Okay. That was bummer. I'd be like, whoa, I'm going to the Super Bowl. That sounds fun. Never been. And they're like, oh, but not just that. Halftime, if you kick a 30-yard field goal, you win a million dollars. Anybody excited now? No? All right. <laughs> All right. You kick a 30 field goal, you win a million dollars. Super Bowl's in February, November. I got time. I got two choices. I can sit around and think about how awesome it's going to be to kick a 30-yard field goal and win a million dollars. And I can dream about it, and I can be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Or I can go to Walmart. I can buy 10 footballs in a little stand. I can go to the local high school, and I can set up on the 30-yard line, or 20-yard line technically because that's a 30-yard field goal. And then I can start kicking field goals. Right? I can start practicing it. I can start doing it. The idea of winning in the Super Bowl doesn't compare to the practice to do it when it, when it comes time, right? I got to do something. I got to move. Three point shots, or what is it, half court shots in the NBA Finals, right? You win a car. The guy just throws it up blindly and it goes in. They're like, oh, y'all ever seen that? It happens. They do that. It's crazy. Same thing. You got to get out and you got to practice half court shots. You got to do something. You can't just dream about it. You can't just think about it and think, that's a good idea. I would love to go to the Super Bowl and win a million dollars. You got to go practice. You got to go do something. So taking that first step of giving, that first act of faith, is a response of worship to who God is in your life, who He, what He has given to you, how He has graciously and lavishly given to you. But when we give, we're not always generous, right? We're easily tempted to want recognition for it. We're easily tempted to want to do what the natural to get praise, right? The problem that Jesus is addressing in verses two through four, right? Godly generosity is not a natural response to knowing and loving God. Giving may be, but godly generosity develops through close, consistent relationship with the Spirit of God. It looks very different than worldly giving. All right? Look at, look at the next, next two verses. So when you give to the needy, do not announce with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. See, generosity develops when we put God's glory above our own. First, it develops when we are... Father, right? And then the second is when we put God's glory above our own. 
the natural temptation to giving is receiving praise, honor, recognition, getting something in return. And we've kind of wired that into us, right? We've kind of designed ourselves to be like that. Think about it. When you get a gift, what your mom always teach you to do? Write a thank you note, right? I mean, at Christmas, I love Christmas. I hated the day after Christmas. I got writer's cramp. You know, it's like, oh, great. Here we go. All right. Dear Aunt Sarah, thank you for the gift. Will. It's good. No. And then mom would say, that's not good enough. Rewrite that. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. Rewrite it. Thank you. We're, we're designed to, to respond in Thanksgiving, but also it kind of works the opposite way, right? When you give something, you kind of want to hear somebody say thank you, right? It's kind of the natural response. We, we developed it in our culture. We've designed it. We've ingrained it in who we are that the response to, to giving is receiving a thanks, receiving praise. So we can get caught up in that same thing when we're giving to God, right? We want to receive praise from other people. We want to receive you from God. Maybe we get into that mentality where we get into like a, a health wealth gospel where we think if I give $100, God will bless me with a thousand. You know, totally not biblical. But like that, that's kind of the, the idea we kind of get trapped in because we think we should get something for our giving. We want to get praise for a big donation, our names on a plaque, a written or even a spoken thank you. It's ingrained in us to get some kind of credit. Well, it's not unique to us. It happened in the biblical times. The Pharisees did the same thing, right? They would go and they'd do their duty, their commanded duty from God to give to the poor, and they would sound the trumpets in the streets. Watch this! I got a dollar. You know? They want people to be like, man, that's a dollar. <laughs> Where do you get a We don't even have dollars right now. So <laughs> he's got a dollar. That's amazing. They just wanted, they wanted, they wanted pray. And you know what they got? They got exactly what they wanted. Worthless praise. Temporal, worthless, meaningless praise. Didn't last for anything. They wanted to receive recognition for so-called acts of righteousness and expected that practicing the commands of God somehow needed some kind of special recognition. Not for There's no evidence of the horn that was used for this, just to let you know. Like, archaeologically, they've never found a horn near the temple or anywhere that, like, people sounded the horn. Like, it says, do not sound the horn. But it kind of is where the expression, toot your own horn, comes from, right? Attention to yourself for something you've done. That's kind of where that Godly generosity instead is an act born out of love. It's a response of worship to the God who gives generously. It's a response of thank you, not receiving a thank you. It's a response of giving thank you, right? It's, it's a little different. It's not, I'm going to give you something, God, and you're going to say thank you to me. It's no, you have given. I give back in praise. I give back in worship. I give back in adoration. I give back saying thank you. It's selfless. Right? It's not expecting anything in return. Godly generosity is selfless, while giving to be recognized is essentially selfish. It's, it's self-focused. And according to Jesus, it's not righteous. Right? I mean, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Jesus is really saying it's not righteousness at all. It's actually hypocrisy. That's actually what that is. It's just hypocrisy. Hypocrites. You know what hypocrites were? You know where that comes from? Pretty crazy. In the Greek, actors wore masks, and those masks had expressions on them, right? It's, it's like, you know, you get the, huh? The sad and the happy, you know, it's like the, it's the character of actors. 
That comes from Greek tradition where they'd wear these masks and they would put on this facade of who they wanted to be, right? And so Jesus is saying, you're wearing this mask of relationship with me, but underneath it, it's not who you are. You're a hypocrite. You're missing out. You're, you're playing this game where you're presenting to everyone that you're connected to me. And behind it, you're dead. There's nothing there. You're a hypocrite. Giving for praise means you're fooling yourself if you think that true generosity is flowing out of you. There's no intimacy between us. You're giving for yourself. You're concerned with your own glory. You're concerned with your own praise. You're pretending to have a relationship you don't have. You're wearing the mask. You're a hypocrite. And there's no reward for the hypocrite from the Father. The Father gets no pleasure or joy out of seeing his people give like this. The reward is temporal. It's fleeting. It's worthless. It doesn't last. It's just a few hands together. Or a nice thank you note that will fade into nothing. Giving out of intimacy with God is done for the glory of God. Right? Intimacy, or sorry, generosity develops in us when we seek God's glory above all things. It's a natural and almost unnoticeable reaction. It's, an, it's, an, it's almost like it's second nature to us. When we're intimately connected to the Father, generosity is second nature. Right? That's why Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Think about that. Right? You literally cannot do that unless you have a lobotomy. Right? I mean, unless you're missing part of I mean, you, you just can't do it. So, it's, but it's like this. I'm going to give an illustration I know nothing about. Are you ready? It's going to be fun. Cooking stir-fry. Anybody cook stir-fry? Right? You put it in the pan. And you've got to move it around, right, with one hand. Okay, let's see here. You move it around with one hand, and you stir, you stir it with the other hand, right? And that's not natural for me. <laughs> but, like, but if you're good at stick and stir, you know, fry, you just shake it up. You move it around. You stir it. You, you're, and you're not, you're not consciously thinking about what your hands are doing. It's just natural. It just happens. That's what giving is. That's what generosity is, according to Scripture, right? Not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It should be a natural overflow of your connection. It's not something you have to do intentionally. It's not something you have to proclaim to other people. It's just there. And it's done in the secret part. Your thanks is, is to God, right? You're not giving thanks publicly. God, or I'll give you a check. No, it's done secretly. And the Father who sees that rewards you in secret. That's the generosity that flows when we seek God's glory above our own. Because when we give that way, who ultimately is praised? Not me, right? Nobody knows I gave. The Father is, because I'm responding in worship. I'm responding in adoration. This is the type of giving God seeks, that seeks God's glory, that seeks God's... It's not natural. It's a supernatural result of the presence of God in our lives. Right? That It's... It, it goes against that whole, I need to get something from it. It comes from an overwhelming flow of praise to God. It's done in the secret places of our heart. And when we are in love with the Father more than anything else, when we are seeking his glory, when we're seeking his kingdom, uh, when we give in response to his giving as a thank you and not seeking our own praise, that's generosity. And it helps us develop the third point, right? Generosity develops when God's kingdom is first. Right? We have to have the proper perspective, the kingdom perspective. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are given from God everything we have. Our health, our time, our jobs, our finances, our energy, our talents, our gifts. Everything we have is from God. Right? Apart from him, we can do nothing. 
So everything we have is from him. And we're given these resources. We're given a, a, a finite amount of resources and talents, gifts, time, energy, finances. And we can do one of two things with them. We can build a temporal kingdom that satisfies us today. Or we can focus on, on being a part of partnering with God as he builds his eternal kingdom. We're going to build one or two kingdoms with our resources. Either ours or his. We can use them strategically. One's temporal, one's eternal. When God has our hearts, when our focus is his kingdom, he gives us more of himself. Isn't that cool? When our focus is him, he gives us more of himself. So when, when we are developing generosity by seeking the king first, by focusing on his glory, then suddenly our lives are filled with the intimate connection with the Father. Generosity is not a resource issue. It's an intimacy issue. We're connected to the Father. We give. We're generous. Remember two weeks ago we looked at verse 22 and 23. We were talking about anxiety. We were talking about that one of the benefits of not being anxious or one of the reasons not to be anxious because you weren't designed to be anxious. You were actually designed to be generous. Right? And we looked at that text. The eye is the lamp of the body. Verse 23 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, that doesn't make any sense. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two matters. You either hate the one and love the other, or you are devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Light, dark, major themes in Scripture, right? Light represents God. Darkness represents death. Right? Sin, death, destruction, presence of God, lack of the presence of God. John, 1 John 1, 5-7. This is the message we have heard from you and declare to you. Heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So what, what is this, this lamp of the body thing saying? It, Jesus moves from the heart, right? He talks about where your heart is, therefore your treasure is, and then he moves to the eye. The heart is where our desires come. Our eyes seek out a way to fulfill them, right? The lamp of the body. If our eye, then is generous, right, is healthy. Another word, that way that can be translated is generous. It can also be translated as single-focused, right, singularly focused. If our light, if our eye is generous, if we're seeking ways to be generous in response to God's giving you, your whole life is filled with God, the presence of God. He gives you. If your focus is the kingdom of God, what does he give you? Himself, light. Your whole life is filled with light. But if your eye, unhealthy, if your eye is self-focused, if it's your kingdom focused, then your whole life is filled with darkness, sin, destruction, suffering, pain, lack of the presence of God, right? That's what the ultimate result is. If, if we focus on ourselves in our own kingdom, if we're selfish, our eyes are unhealthy, if we're pursuing the desires of our heart for this day, we miss out on an intimate connection with the Father. But if we pursue the kingdom Glory of God. He fills us with his presence. We grow more intimately connected to the Father. Beautiful thing.
And then that last part, if the light within you is darkness, how dark is that darkness, right? This is basically saying, how blind are you to your spiritual condition? If, if, you, are, if you are focused on your kingdom alone, your glory, your praise and, and your giving, how blind are you? What mask are you wearing that's keeping you from seeing the light and that's your father? So what's the answer? What do we do? How do, how do we develop generosity, right? Do we... Do we just become more disciplined, right? Do we just start giving? Do we uh, do we do more? Do we we act? Do we develop generosity to please this God? Do we seek seek the glory? Do we seek the kingdom? We do do do. What what's the ultimate end result of all of our works? Nothing, right? So what's the answer? The answer is to draw near to the heart of God, right? The answer is to pray, talk to Him about. Giving. Talk to him about having a heart of generosity. Talk with that. Where you're like, God, I really, I look at my bank account and I don't think I have anything to give. And it, I, I just, I'm scared. You know, I trust you, but I'm scared. Talk to him and develop intimacy with him. And out of intimacy comes generosity. It's not in your works and what you can do, do, do. It's who he can make you become. Who he can change your heart to be a generous person. Generosity is not a resource issue. It's an intimacy issue. I asked you earlier, who do you love? Who's that one person you love deeply, right? And what are you willing to give them? And then the question is, why are you willing to give up so many precious things? The answer is simple. It's because you love them, right? When we love the Father, when we're connected to the Father, when we're walking with the Father, when we're being changed by the Spirit in relationship with Jesus the Son, we, and we're, we're loving the Father, out of it comes generosity. We want to give back to the Father. We want to give to those who are created in His image. We want to give to the needy. We want to, we want to visit the poor. We want to see the sick in, in the hospital. We want to go to the prisons and visit the people who are in prison. Like we want to give of our time, our energies, and talents because we're connected to the Father. And the Father's called us to do that. And He's given to us lavishly, and we respond with a thank you. Generosity is not a resource issue. It's not whether you have enough. It's are you connected to the Father in a deep and loving way? Is He changing your heart? Are you responding in worship? All right, so that's how generosity develops. What happens when we actually are generous? What happens? We're going to move through this kind of fast. First, when, generos when intimacy produces generosity, you fulfill your purpose, right? You fulfill your purpose. This is pretty simple. God is generous, right? Genesis chapter 2 teaches us that we in the image of God. If God is generous and we're made in the image of then mathematically we are supposed to be generous. It is our purpose. It's in our design. It's in our hardwired DNA, right? God says, hey, I've created you in my image. I want you to be generous. Sin has gone and mucked all that up, messed it all up. Now, if you want to live with me, if you want to live intimately with me, it's going to make you be generous because that's who I am. I'm a generous God. You're creating my image. You're designed to be. So when you give generously, you're fulfilling your purpose. You're, you're living up to the way that God designed you. Right down to your DNA. Okay, number two. When generosity, or sorry, when intimacy produces generosity, demonstrate God's love. Right? 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that we are. Right? God has lavished his great love on us, and so when we give to others, we are demonstrating that love that's been lavished. Right? Here's an example for you. So we guess we flew in from um, Dallas-Fort Worth. It's the weirdest airport ever. Anybody ever been there? I think it's huge. Weird airport. Anyway, we flew into Washington, D.C. I guess it's not really Washington. It was Dulles. So is that outside of Washington, in Virginia somewhere? Didn't see a single monument coming in. I don't even know where I was. We flew in, and we go and we're sitting in the lobby. And Zach and Caleb had been on a flight for two and a half hours. So they were slightly crazy, right? They were, I mean, they were, they were ready to move. So we unbuckled them from their stroller, and they ran around the airport. And, and then, well, not really all around the airport, just around the little terminal area. There weren't a lot of people there. It was okay. And we had a bag of toys, and we dumped that bag of toys in the middle of this big open spot, and the kids started playing. His mom, with her little two-year-old, over in the corner. And the kid just kind of eased up to, his, eased to the toys. It was kind of like, and Zach demonstrated the love of the father. It's cool. He took his Play-Doh at a car, gave it to the little kid. Unprompted, right? I got to tell you, it made me smile. I was like, that's my boy. Look at that. Don't go too far with that play. So, you know, but, I, but I was like, that's my boy. That's so cool. He just demonstrated the love of God towards this kid that he didn't even know. Complete stranger. Being generous. I didn't. I think that's the Holy Spirit working in him, I guess. But he just, the little kid was there. Didn't have any toys. Rebecca and the mom were talking. And he just started giving the kid toys to play with. He demonstrated the love of God to that kid. We can do the same thing. When we give, when we live in generosity, we are demonstrating God's love for us to other people. Right? That's why we have gift bags. When, when a guest comes into this room, what we're trying to say to them is, you're created in the image of God and you're valuable to us. And so we, we thought about this beforehand and prepared a little bag to give you as a gift because we just want to show you that you're loved. Right? It's not just so that you can have a cup. Like, as a church, we're trying to demonstrate the love of God for somebody in a simple act of hospitality. That's what, if when we give, we are demonstrating God's love. When intimacy produces generosity, you're positioning yourself for God's blessings, right? If you are giving, trusting God, not depending on your own ability to fill your bank account or to pay your, you know what I mean? Like, you're obviously, you have to be smart about how you spend your money. But you, if that, that extra... $250 in your bank account, and you're like, I really need to hold on to that. You know, it's like, I don't know what will happen. Maybe that's a grocery. I could go out to dinner. You know, it's like, or I could give. You know, like, when you're giving, you're saying, God, I trust and I'm wait, I'm waiting to see what you do. Right? You're positioning yourself to not be dependent upon your own, your own provision, but be dependent upon God's provision. That's what happens when you give. When, gener when intimacy produces generosity, you position yourself to be dependent upon God. And to receive his blessing. When intimacy produces generosity, you gain perspective. You gain perspective. Think about it like this. Um, has anybody ever been on a mission? Been on a mission trip? You sent out support letters? No? Some people did. Um, you spent $1,200 on a ticket, $500 fee, food, time, you get there, 
gifts, come back, whatever. You got to pay baggage fees, all that stuff. You spend a pretty good chunk of money to go on an international mission trip, right? I mean, if, but do you, when you come back, do you think, man, I really wish I would have bought tires with that money. You know, I could have got a new Apple Watch. You know, kind of bummed I went. Anybody? No. When you talk to missionaries, when they come back, do they ever complain about the money they spent? Because they're investing in the kingdom. And what do they always come back and say? My life was radically changed. Right? I mean, they gained perspective. Right? They lived generously. They trusted God. God blew their brains out of their, their I mean, just like, whoa, this is crazy. Changed their life. And money was, they lived generously and they gained for kingdom perspective. When intimacy produces generosity, you are changing your perspective. You're living for the KOG, the kingdom. Sorry, I'm not allowed to say KOG. I apologize. The kingdom of God and not for your own kingdom. You're changing perspective. And then lastly, intimacy produces generosity. You're partnering with God. Right? Here's a newsflash. You ready? God doesn't need your money. Just throwing that out there. As a matter of fact, if he wanted your money, he could your, your password to your bank account and drive you out. Right? I mean, like, he knows all things, so he knows your password, right? If, if he really wanted your money, he'd take it from you. If he needed it, your money. Matter of fact, he doesn't need you. Right? Let's just be real honest, not to offend you, but he doesn't need you. Sovereign God created all things. I think he can handle it. But he invites us to join him in his mission in this world. It is an invitation of intimacy. Right? It's an, intimate, it's an invitation of relationship. Come and be with me as I move and demonstrate my love for the world. So when you give, you're partnering with the mission of God. You're joining him and you're accepting an invitation that he has to blow your mind and change your world. To give you perspective. To demonstrate his love to other people. When intimacy produces generosity, you partner with God. You move with him. You're part of what he's doing. All right, so are you feeling guilty at all? If there's any guilt, I just want to challenge you with something. It might be the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm trying not to present guilt, so it might be the Holy Spirit, or I've miserably failed in my mission not to present a guilt, guilt money message. Like, but it might be that God is trying to say to you, hey, I want to take you to the next level of being a follower of mine. I want you to partner with me. I want to challenge you to trust me on a deeper level. I want to show you what can happen in your world. Not for your praise, but for mine. Not for your kingdom, but for mine. I just want to, I'm going to, it might be the Holy Spirit just prompting you to move to another level. It might be the Holy Spirit prompting you to move for the first time. Giving to his mission, giving to the poor, visiting the sick. Like, that's just not your thing. And he's just asking you, hey, give of your time, your treasure, and your talents. Trust me. Take this first step of faith. It might be that. Generosity flows out of intimacy. Think of it more as God calling you closer to himself. Not laying a guilt trip on you, but calling you closer to yourself, to himself. He wants to blow your mind. And so, as promised, we're not asking you to give. We're not going to do a special offering. I just want you to wrestle with this, this concept of generosity as a character of a, a disciple follower. And um, instead, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you this way. 
Uh, many of you give to this church, right? You give financially. And I want to say thank you. For anyone who's ever written a check, who just dropped a quarter in the offering in the box over there, thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for partnering with us in our mission to make disciples of Durham Chapel. If, if you've ever given clothing to the poor, fed a homeless person, run by McDonald's, grabbed a meal, and dropped it off. If you've ever visited someone sick in the hospital or gone to the prison just to check in on somebody and, and tell them they're important, even though you know they messed up, thank you. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for giving your treasure. Thank you for giving your talents and your gifts. Anyone who might support a kid across the globe, right? The child fund cares or what? I mean, whatever. Like, it, it, thank you. Thank you for investing in someone else's life above yourself. $30 a month or something like that. I mean, that's, that's a good trip to most. But instead, you're investing in someone else. Thank you. If you've given to a local ministry, right? You support ministries outside of this church, the Durham Rescue Mission, any, anything else. Thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for living in a, in, a, in a response to God's giving you being generous. And for those of you who serve with your time, with your talents, thank you for giving. Thanks for fulfilling your purpose. Thank you for demonstrating God's love. Thank you for depending upon God over yourself. Thank you for changing your perspective. And thank you for partnering with the Father. All right, let's pray. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Podcast. To find out more about our church or hear other messages in this series, please visit us at www.restorationchurch.us or check us out on Facebook at RestorationDCH.